for a moment there, there was a, a question in my mind. Do I remember how to do a radio show after a week away? I'm hoping the answer is yes. I'm pretty confident that it is, but you know, you know how it goes when you ask God to teach you humility. He will not fail to answer that prayer. Good morning. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It is 7 a.m. on this Monday, September 12th. And it's so good to be back with you after a week away on vacation. We've got a lot to get to today, and none of the things we need to get to are more important than what we start and end with, and that's prayer. So let's pray together right now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I said, it's good to be back with you after a week away on vacation, feeling refreshed and recharged, but definitely missing our time together in the morning. Although, I have to say, it was a unique opportunity to be in your show, your shoes. Apparently, I don't remember how to do a radio show this morning. It was a unique opportunity to be in your shoes for the week. I actually got up and I listened to the show uh, every morning but one. There was one morning I decided to sleep in a little bit longer and uh, enjoyed that, but um, gave me a unique perspective, and maybe we'll learn some things from that going forward as well. Today on the show, we are going to be visiting with John Martinoni, as we are known to do on these Monday mornings. We're also going to be checking in with Matt Swain, co-host of the Sunrise Morning Show, and, uh, you know, G.K. Chesterton is the topic on tap today. And then finally, we're going to be talking with Father Timothy Vaverek, who is a priest out of Texas who just wrote a book that as soon as I glanced through it, you know, you know me, I'm not an avid reader, but I was glancing through the points of this book and I thought this is something we need to talk about. So Father, it's about salvation. That's all I'm going to say now. Father's going to be with us every day this week to talk about salvation with us. That's everything ahead today on Roadmap to Heaven, plus the catequiz, the music, and more. Where I'm at, it's sunny. The high is going to be in the upper 70s, the low in the mid-50s, and it's beautiful. And I love this time of year, and soon the leaves will start changing colors. So praise God for the fall. I hope that wherever you are today, you have beautiful weather. You're probably going to need to check your weather app for that. Um, but that said, let's all enjoy the beauty of the fall. And now let's go to Mike Roberts for the saint of today. This is the feast day of St. Aylby of Ireland, St. Guy of Albrecht, and it is also the feast day of the most holy name of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This feast started in Spain in 1513. Then, in 1683, the King of Poland, John Sobieski, brought his army to Vienna to thwart an attack by the Muslims, an effort that succeeded after he entrusted himself to the name of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Afterwards, Pope Innocent XI extended this feast to the whole church. We are blessed with so many shrines to the Blessed Mother in our area, the National Shrine of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal in Perryville, Our Lady of the Snows, Our Lady of Starkenburg, the Shrine of the Black Madonna in Pacific, just to name a few. And of course, there are so many schools and parishes that carry her name. 
How seriously do we take this? Do we name our communities after her, or is she coming to us, as she has in so many apparitions, as she does every time we call her name? Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful ones as we thank the Lord for the gift of the Mother of Jesus and, drawing upon the divine praises, say, Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. One of the questions that I hear more and more, whether it's through listeners contacting us here at the station or when I meet you out at events and whatnot in the community, what do I say to my kids or my grandkids that they they just don't believe in God anymore and they describe themselves as an atheist? And how do I evangelize an atheist? Well, don't worry. John Martinoni is here to shed some light on this, how we can get this conversation going with evangelization with someone who says they're an atheist. So, John, good morning. Where do we begin? Good morning, Adam. I always begin when I'm talking to an atheist. The first question I will inevitably ask them is, why is there something instead of nothing? And what I mean by that is is our universe. Why is there this wondrous, beautiful, magnificent thing we call the universe instead of nothing? Why is the universe here? And the atheist, the first response I most often get is, well, the Big Bang. Well, I tell them, I said, well, hang on a second. I said, you're misunderstanding science, which puts a little needle under their skin because the atheists are all into science, whereas Christians, we don't know anything about science, right? At least that's how the story goes quite often. So I tell them, I said, no, according to science, the Big Bang is about the expansion of the universe, not the creation of the universe. It's about this energy and matter came into existence, and in a few milliseconds later, it exploded. So the Big Bang was after creation. So why did that material, the energy and the matter that exploded in the Big Bang, why did it come into existence? Why is there something instead of nothing? And they'll look at me, and and then I'll say, okay, well, let me ask you this. I said, I'll say, can a tree recreate a tree out of nothing? And every atheist says no. Every person says no. Can a rock create a rock out of nothing? No. Can a human being create another human being out of nothing? No. So I tell them, I said, so we can surmise a general principle that matter cannot create matter, right? Matter cannot create matter out of nothing. And the atheist will agree. I'll say, okay, so since matter, since the universe contains matter, and matter cannot create matter, we know that something non-material caused the universe to come into existence. Okay, so something non-material. And furthermore, we know this non-material thing must have been really powerful. I mean, look at what it did. Created the universe, all the energy, all the matter in this, you know, universe that's Trillions of light years across is just, it's amazing. So it's non-material, it's powerful, and it seems like because of the order that we have in the universe, the precision we have in the universe, that whatever it was that caused the universe to come into existence is intelligent. 
we can't be absolutely sure, but it sure seems that way. The evidence is all pointing that way. Plus, this thing, whatever it is, this non-material cause of the universe, it seems like it must have a will because the universe was not there at one point and then it was there at the next point. So it's as if a decision was made that the universe would come into existence. So I'll tell the atheist, so we've got a non-material cause for the material universe and this non-material cause is powerful, it seems to be intelligent, it seems to have a will, and it needs to be outside of time, because time is a function of the universe, of the material universe. So this infinite cause, you know, it's outside of time, powerful, intelligent, non-material, it has a will. I tell the atheists, I say, you call that whatever you want to call that, we call that God. Beautiful. I love it. Well, John, I think of it this way. I've got a lot of kids, and they, they consume a lot of ketchup, and they also drop their plates quite a bit on the floor, more so than I, I'd like them to. And that ketchup splatters, and I maybe once I've said to myself, wow, the way that ketchup splattered across the floor, it's really beautiful. I'm so glad that that stopped. But when I look at these new images coming from the, the James Webb telescope that NASA's been sharing into the far reaches of the galaxy, and I see the beauty of that, you know, I don't think that's the randomness of ketchup hitting the, the right family's dining room floor. I, I'm with you that I look at the beauty, I look at the order, I look at all of the signs and say that obviously there is someone with a will behind all of this that put this all into motion. And just like you, I call that someone God. So, John, thank you for helping us solidify and articulate what we'd like to say when engaging in conversation with an atheist about why we believe in God. My pleasure, Adam. All right. Well, John, you have a good morning. Friends, if you want to know more about the Bible Christian Society, where John is president and founder, just visit BibleChristianSociety.com. A prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose, make intercession for Holy Church. Protect the Sovereign Pontiff. Help all those who invoke you in their necessities. And since you are the ever-Virgin Mary and Mother of the True God, obtain for us from your Most Holy Son the grace of keeping our faith, of sweet hope in the midst of the bitterness of life, of burning charity, and the precious gift of final perseverance. Amen. Our next guest needs no introduction. You hear him every weekday morning on these airwaves. Matt Swaim, co-host of the Sunrise Morning Show. Matt, it's good to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. Hey, thanks for letting us be your opening act every morning. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I'm cleaning up here. It's a good lineup. I'll just say that. And I, I love listening to you and Anna every morning as I get ready to go on the air. One of the things I know you pivot to quite a bit, Matt, is G.K. Chesterton. You love him. I love him. And the more I look around at the world today and how crazy it is, I I kind of wonder if Chesterton was just right for his time or just right for our times or some combination of both. And I think the question is for someone saying, G.K. who? Who are we talking about here? Yeah, G.K. Chesterton is a fascinating figure who really transcended his age and really was a prophet to his own time. But as you mentioned, kind of a prophet to our times as well. Uh, He grew up, had some Anglicanism in his background, a little agnosticism, even messed around with some pagan ideas, went to art school and then had a conversion back to Christianity. Did a lot of writing as an Anglican and then later on in his life 
was received into the Catholic Church, and along the way left us just some absolute gems and jewels, partly because I think his formation was in the arts and in great literature. And so he had kind of this sort of way of looking at the world through the lens of sort of adventure and mystery and beauty and wonder and gratitude. And those are kind of the hallmarks of someone who loves a good story. And so Chesterton saw in in Christianity the greatest story that ever was or will be. And the trick about this one is it's true. (laughs) So in many ways, Chesterton in his work for the Illustrated London Times and fantastic books like The Man Who is Thursday on the fiction side, Orthodoxy and the Everlasting Man on the nonfiction side, really just brought a joyful Christian vision to everything he touched. And that's why people like you and I love him so much. I think of Chesterton. I also think of St. Philip Neri and that whole emphasis on joy and how it conditions the heart to be more receptive, honestly, to evangelization, to what our Lord is doing in our lives. And sometimes it's a struggle. In 2022, I have to admit, sometimes it's a struggle, one, to go out there and proclaim church teaching because I wonder, when when are they going to come after me? When are my neighbors going to realize what I do and say, you do what? You're telling people what on those airwaves? And at the same time, I don't want to get bogged down in that and be all doom and gloom, and I don't think G.K. Chesterton would want me to either. I hate to ask you what's your favorite Oh, thing no. from Chesterton. So I'm oh, just going to no. ask you this. What is a favorite lesson you've learned from G.K. Chesterton? Well, I'll give you two that both apply to what you just said. I have a hundred, but I'll give you two that just apply to what you said. One is that idea of being frustrated by all the people who might not get what you are and feeling like there's this hostility between you and your neighbor. G.K. Chesterton had this like very strange knack that is supposed to be the call of every Christian, which is that he loved his enemies and oddly enough was loved by his enemies because he had just this magnanimity of spirit so that he could be friends with H.G. Wells, with whom he vehemently disagreed, right? Because H.G. Wells was a scientific materialist and Chesterton was a Catholic. And yet Chesterton was joyful enough and loving enough that that was a friendship. Same with uh, George Bernard Shaw, who was a misanthropic Fabian socialist. And yet these men would go and drink pints together. And because of Chesterton's joy and magnanimity of spirit, he could be friends with people who completely disagreed. What a great thing that would be if we could reclaim some of that in our world where you find out one thing about your neighbor where they're slightly politically different from you and they're done forever right (laughs) the chain link fence just became a privacy fence and we're not going to talk just give each other menacing we electrified it yeah yeah so but the other quick lesson i think is just about the bogging down of everyday life chesterton's got this great line where he says that an inconvenience is only an adventure wrongly considered. And an adventure is just an inconvenience that's rightly considered. We're surrounded by inconveniences all day, every day, and the grind of life. But Chesterton says, we're living in the greatest story that ever was ever told. We're living in this great adventure with Christ. Every one of those inconveniences is a dragon you can slay. <laughs> so think of it that way. And it brings a little bit more joy and mystery and wonder into the world. All right. Well, there you have it. Some nuggets from G.K. Chesterton. We'll have to get together again sometime in the future and and bring some more nuggets for the listeners because I I never tire of of Chesterton. Matt, I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. And if you want to hear more from Matt, you just have to get up a little bit earlier than right now. Matt and Anna Mitchell are on every morning, 5 to 7 a.m. here on Covenant Network with the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, Give our best to Anna. and, And thanks for being with us today, Matt. Hey, thank you. And thank you to everybody over at Covenant. 
We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. A prayer to the Archangel Gabriel. O blessed Archangel Gabriel, we beseech thee, do thou intercede for us at the throne of divine mercy in our present necessities that, as thou didst denounce to Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, so through thy prayers and patronage in heaven we may obtain the benefits of the same and sing the praise of God forever in the land of the living. Amen. Here is our Back to Basics Catechiz on this Monday morning, September 12th. And these questions, I'm just going to give you a hint. They may sound familiar. Here's question number one. Who made the world? We all know the answer to that. God made the world. Question number two. Who is God? The answer, God is the creator of heaven and earth and of all things. Question number three. What is man? Man is a creature composed of body and soul and made to the image and likeness of God. Question number six. Why did God make you? Answer, God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in heaven. What must we do to save our souls? The answer, to save our souls, we must worship God by faith, hope, and charity. That is, we must believe in him, hope in him, and love him with all our heart. Now, if these questions sound familiar to you, they actually are some of the beginning questions of the Baltimore Catechism, something that I I highly recommend. If you don't have a copy of the Baltimore Catechism, get a copy. I love the Catechism of the Catholic Church, promulgated by St. John Paul II in the early 90s, and especially because I love St. John Paul II and Cardinal Ratzinger, later Pope Benedict XVI, uh, who was instrumental in the publishing of the Catechism. It's a great resource. It's also like trying to drink water from a fire hose sometimes. There are several great compendiums out there. There are several great books that help us break open that theology. You know, you know all the time we mention Frank Sheed's Theology for Beginners as a great resource. I like uh, Peter Kreef's Catholic Christianity as one of my compendiums to the catechism. There are others. But every now and then it's good to get back to basics. And the Baltimore Catechism is a great resource for that. Now, I used to say it's a great resource if you have children, you know, which it is. But it's not just for those with children. It could be grandchildren. It could be nieces and nephews. Or it could just be you wanting to get back to basics. Now, last week I was on vacation. And while we were on vacation, we rented a house. It was the first time I've ever uh, done this private rental thing that I haven't gone through a company and. There were a lot of question marks about it, but at the end of the day, we really loved it, right? And it was great to have this house. It was clean. It was, you know, not overly spacious. It was actually probably about the same size or a little smaller than our house. Um, But it was everything we needed. It had a kitchen. It had a living room. It had a dining area. It had bedrooms with beds for everyone. It had an outdoor deck that was a place we could go play cards in the evening. It had convenient access to the places we wanted to go. And I didn't really appreciate how much I was enjoying it until I came home and saw that pile of laundry that we had left on the bed in a hurry to pack some last-minute things in the suitcase Monday morning when we left. Or those other things that we said, well, you know, that can wait until we get back from vacation. And very quickly on Saturday evening when we got back, I found myself overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the clutter overwhelmed by the 
core fruit of procrastination, saying to myself, I wish that we were back in the vacation home where it was clean and there was no clutter. You could walk around without fear of tripping over anything. And we were all having a good time. And I started praying about that because, like I said, it, it sent me into quite a tizzy Saturday evening. And even Sunday morning when we went to Mass, it was, it was very heavy on my heart. And I, I just kept thinking about how, you know, how often do I do that in my spiritual life? That who is man? Man is a creature composed of body and soul made in the image and likeness of God. And how often do I just procrastinate the things I need to do to get back to being more in God's image and likeness? Like going to reconciliation. Like striving for holiness every day, not just saying, well, you know, if I sin, I'll go to reconciliation, but striving to avoid sin every day. And no matter how much you do it, we could always do that a little bit more. And yet we procrastinate with these things. This past week was a great opportunity to say, you know, this is how things are supposed to be in this temporal world. Am I doing that in my spiritual life, too, to say this is how things are supposed to be, so let's get the unimportant out of the way? I'll leave you with this before we go to the break. I was talking with someone yesterday who said literally to declutter their life of things that kept them from spending time with God, they put a timer on their phone that shuts off the Internet at 9 p.m. Self-admitted, he absolutely hates this, but it has done so much good for getting some of the nonsense non-essentials out of his life to focus more time in prayer or if not prayer on doing the things that we need to do to be refreshed for the next day to try and grow in holiness like going to bed on time let's not forget those simple things this past week was a great reminder for me on that and it's also a great reminder to go back to the baltimore catechism we're going to take a break when we come back we'll be speaking with father timothy vaverek you're listening to roadmap to heaven stay tuned Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O Blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which Thou intended me to become when Thou created me. For in Thy perfection, I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. We are happy to be speaking this week with Father Timothy Vaverek, a priest of the Diocese of Austin from the town of West. Now, sometimes here in St. Louis, Father, we think of West what? West St. Louis, North St. Louis, South St. Louis, but West is actually a town down in Texas, a little bit northeast of Waco, if I remember correctly. Yes, mostly north. It's named after a gentleman whose last name was West. All right. Causes much confusion. Well, there you have it. Father recently embarked on a new endeavor in life. He wrote a book, and that book is titled As I Have Loved You, Rediscovering Our Salvation in Christ. And Father, I want to tell you, I'm glad to know that there are still folks out there that say, hey, I've never done this before, but I think I'm going to take on something new, and I want to applaud your effort to write the book. And I love the theme of it, Rediscovering Our Salvation in Christ. And so that's where I'd like to start today. I know you're going to be with us throughout the week, but what exactly is our salvation in Christ? You know, let's clean the slate here and say we've never discovered it. We're going to look at it with new eyes today. Yes, well, of course, one thing is to recognize the old eyes that we often use. And 
for many people, salvation in Christ would be summarized along the lines of Jesus came and died in order to save us from our sins so we didn't go to hell. And that's true, but it is not the heart of the gospel. And more and more, it becomes essential for us to really get to the heart of the matter. Part of what makes it more and more important, obviously, is our growth in Christ. We need to enter more deeply into his heart day by day. But also the situation in our culture is such that it would more readily pull us away. So what is the heart of the gospel? The heart of the gospel is that Jesus came, as he said, so that when he was lifted up on the cross, he might draw everyone to himself. The salvation is about being united becoming a member of the body and bride of Christ, sharing in his life and sharing in his saving mission. This is the high calling of Christians that too often has been obscured in recent centuries anyway. It makes me think of that lesson we've learned about our act of contrition when we go to the sacrament of reconciliation. We can have an imperfect contrition. We can go because we do fear hell and we would like to be saved from the fires of hell. But what the church calls that perfect contrition that she keeps striving for me and and everyone to make is that desire to be in right relationship out of love for our Lord. So it sounds like this is really a both and. It's, It's both saved from something, which we often focus on, saved from hell, but also saved for something. Yes. Uh, And what we're saved for is infinitely more valuable than what we're saved from. If you walked around in a marriage always worrying about whether you were going to commit adultery, I mean, it's important not to commit adultery, and it's important to be rightly concerned about that matter. But if you characterize your married life as, I made it through marriage without ever having committed adultery, this would hardly be a measure. This is the, hey, I supported you, didn't I? I brought you the check home, didn't I? Don't complain about how you're being treated sort of approach to marriage. It's not an adequate approach. Jesus has called us to share his life which means to share his mission, which means to be actively involved in the salvation of the world. That requires a focus of heart and mind. Well, Father, I think that's wonderful, and I think that's where we're going to pick up tomorrow, the image of marriage. So until then, the book is As I Have Loved You, Rediscovering Our Salvation in Christ by Father Timothy Vaverek. That's V-A-V-E-R-E-K. And Father's going to be with us all week. Father, could I ask for maybe a quick prayer to close out our time today, but also to pray for our time together this week? Heavenly Father, we wish to enter more deeply into the heart of Jesus, which is your heart for us. We want to know and love you and serve you by sharing in your work on our behalf, becoming part of the story of salvation, being both your handiwork and your co-workers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Prayer in a time of waiting. All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Well, friends, I always look forward to Monday because it means a new theme for our daily dose of encouragement. Not that I didn't like last week's theme. I loved it, but now it's got me excited for even more. I mean, it's like we had the ice cream and then the fudge and then the sprinkles and then the whipped cream and then the cherry and what could possibly come after that? I don't know. But Patty Schneier always has a good encouragement for us. So, Patty, what's our topic this week? Well, this week we are going to unpack the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows because it falls during this week. And so we're going to spend a whole week dedicated to this beautiful, beautiful feast day and talking about Our Lady of Sorrows. So today on this Monday, let's start with just a little bit of background about the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. Originally, it was called Our Lady of Compassion. And the devotion grew in the 12th century. And why did this devotion grow? Because the church realized that compassion, the word compassion means to suffer with. And Our Lady, she suffered with our Lord. And we have the seven sorrows of Mary. And today the encouragement is... Do you know the seven sorrows of Mary? Have you memorized the seven sorrows of Mary? Here they are. Number one, the prophecy of Simeon. Number two, the flight into Egypt. Number three, the loss of the child Jesus. Number four, carrying of the cross. Number five, the crucifixion of Jesus. Number six, taking down from the cross. And number seven, laying Jesus in the tomb. If you notice, these are things, many of them are things that happened to our Lord, but Mary was right there with him, experiencing and suffering along with him. So again, originally Our Lady of Compassion. Compassion means to suffer with, and that's what Our Lady did. She suffered with. So now we call it Our Lady of Sorrows because, of course, the sorrow that she experienced as our Lord went through his passion and death. Today, Maybe you can look up those seven sorrows of Mary and memorize them for yourself. You may be thinking, I'm past the age of doing homework, but, you know, I've found in a life of faith, and especially in these daily doses of encouragement, when we have an opportunity to memorize things like this, it actually comes in very handy, not only in our prayer life, but just in life in general, to be able to relate. And since I think we've all been sorrowful, we've all suffered, this is going to be a very moving week for many of us, and I look forward to it. Thank you, Patty. I do have a couple thoughts as we wrap up today's show. Uh, First and foremost, I want to put this out there now because it's one of those things that if I wait until the day before, I will regret it. And I've had this on my calendar. Priesthood Appreciation Sunday is coming up this month on Sunday, September 25th, two weeks from yesterday. And so maybe you'd like to do something for your parish priest, for your pastor, associate pastor, priest in residence, former pastor, retired priest in the diocese, something like that. You might want to do something, and you may want time to put that together, to think about what that is. Well, now is a good time to do that. It could be as simple as sending a thank you note. Dear Father, thank you for all of the things you do for the parish, for being here, not just to provide for our sacramental life, but to lead us in prayer to bring us together as a community, whatever it may be, whatever you're grateful for. I would imagine all of those things. Uh, But you might want some time to put that together. 
I know that we are very grateful for our pastor. We're very grateful for the associate who is in residence at our parish and the time they take not only for the sacraments, but just to be with the people after Mass out in the parking lot, greeting us, saying hello, asking how our weeks have been, giving us some encouragement and taking the time to really be among the flock. And we're very grateful for that. So I've got some thank you notes I need to work on. Number two, as Patty just mentioned, this week we celebrate two beautiful feasts, the Triumph of the Holy Cross on Wednesday and then the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows on Thursday. This week especially, I want to challenge you to go above and beyond praying your daily rosary. Don't just pray. This is the challenge. Don't just pray one set of mysteries this week. But every day, pray two sets. Perhaps today, as you pray the joyful mysteries, you could also pray the sorrowful mysteries to help contemplate the sorrow of the way of the cross of our Lord's death. Tomorrow, we pray the sorrowful mysteries. Pray those twice? Well, you could, but maybe pray the glorious mysteries after you pray the sorrowful mysteries. Because the sorrowful mysteries aren't the end of the story. They lead us into the glorious mysteries. Maybe do the same thing on Wednesday. Wednesday, we would normally pray the glorious mysteries. Perhaps on Wednesday, pray the sorrowful and the glorious again. You know, it's a beautiful thing. The joyful mysteries help us to understand the sorrowful mysteries. The sorrowful mysteries help us to understand the glorious mysteries. The luminous mysteries help us to understand all of these as well. They're all tied together. Padre Pio would admonish us to pray the rosary. St. Louis de Montfort would admonish us to pray the rosary. So many great saints of the rosary, plus Dallin de la Roche, one of my favorites, would encourage us and tell us every day to pray the rosary. Blessed Bartolo Longo has a great, great story of his life and the importance of the rosary. So that's my challenge to you this week. Two rosaries a day. Can you do it? I think you can. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to be checking in with Father Chris Martin about the upcoming Seek conference that Focus will be having here in St. Louis. And we'll be talking about the importance of evangelization. On Wednesday, we are going to dig into the triumph of the cross and the sorrows of Mary with Father Jeffrey Kirby. And there's a lot more to come this week on Roadmap to Heaven, including our continued conversations with Father Timothy Vaverick. Until then, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.